Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. My mission is simple to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Let's see. Italian bonds spiked in the sky. It didn't fall. We put tariffs on steel and aluminum and the wheels. Well, let's just say the wheels, they didn't fall off the bus. Then we got today's amazing employment report, and the market showed its true colors. Dow gaining 219 points, S&P rising 1.08%, NASDAQ poverty 1.51%. Yes, I think this kind of action represents the market's true colors, because let's be honest, our economy is in great shape. So when our stocks trade on the United States, not Italy or Germany or China or Canada, we were higher. As I've been telling you for years, the single most important data point for the market is the Labor Department's non-farm payroll figure. And this one was nothing short of spectacular. House of pleasure. The thing you have to remember about the employment number is that unlike pretty much everything else that you hear about on TV or in the paper, its impact lasts. I actually did a study of this particular aspect in Get Rich Carefully. This number sets the stage for many weeks, not days, but weeks of investing. It becomes the fulcrum that stocks trade off of, the backdrop, so to speak, and it's a good one. That positive prism will suffuse the thinking of portfolio managers, making them more willing to pay up for, say, 17 bucks for a Lululemon, or more than $8 for VMware, or 5% for EMD, Dr. Lisa Sue. Yes, it's that powerful. And we'll keep viewing things through that positive filter until we see the next number. So with that in mind, let's go over our game plan for next week. We start with cybersecurity, okay? Now, cybersecurity has been one of our strongest long-term themes on this show, and I want you to be thinking about Proofpoint, NICE, that's N-I-C-E, CyberArk, FireEye. But on Monday night, we hear from the granddaddy of the group, and that is Palo Alto Networks, P-A-N-W. And nearly every time you read about a cybersecurity play, usually within the first couple of paragraphs, you learn that they've partnered with these guys. Lately, though, this, uh, this has struggled to demonstrate any real consistency. Let's work through this. Only Proofpoint and Nice have been able to claim that they haven't any real setbacks. Their stocks have proceeded higher in lockstep, straight lines. Fire has been a disaster, but it's making a deserving comeback. We know that CyberArk had a couple of big misses. As for Palo Alto, it did have to have a reset a couple of years ago with a serious sales reorganization. CEO Mark McLaughlin told us it would take a bit to fix, and it did. 
Danny told it was fixed, and it was. Since then, it's been smooth sailing. I bet the smoothness continues, which is why I expect a big quarter. A few years back, we met with a retailer because we heard that its business model allowed it to offer prices that would Amazon would kill for. Ollie's Bargain Outlet Holdings. This is a chain that buys closeout merchandise from ailing retailers, uh, marks it up a bit, selling you name brand products for much cheaper than you find anywhere else. At the time, Ollie's was in the 20s. Since then, this stock has tripled, including a 32.5% gain just for 2018. The stock is no longer as cheap as it was when we first met it, but its business model works nationwide, and it simply can't put up new stars fast enough. That's what I call a high-quality prop. We hear from Ollie's on Tuesday. I think it'll be a good quarter. Wednesday brings us another hot retailer. It's called Five Below, the Philadelphia-based chain where everything is, you guessed it, Five Below. Uh, or or um, I first thought it was a camping chain specializing down coats. As much as I hate to use this term, Five Below is a company that has a very experiential quality, meaning first it's a fun place to shop and the stuff it sells is an experience to play with. While it lacks the consistency of Ollie's, it's been putting up outstanding numbers of late. And like Ollie's, it's going from regional to national, which is really the best kind of retail growth story. I bet you'll like what they have to say. We also have an unlikely tariff play reporting Wednesday. Brown Foreman, the maker of Jack Daniels, among many other liquor brands. We know that EU wants to strike back at us. It's Jack Daniels that's in the crosshairs. Makes sense. It's exactly the kind of iconic brand that tends to get targeted in a trade dispute. Still, the Browns, as they call them in the liquor biz for the color of the drink, are on fire here. And it should make for a very good quarter. But with the overhang from the trade dispute, they could have a great quarter. I don't know if anyone's going to care. Then there's Signet Jewelry. Remember then Signet S-I-G? Boy, no one talks about that anymore, do they? I think that new CEO, Gina Drossos, is turning Signet around. She's resetting expectations. She's cleaning up the culture. She's making the company into more of a jeweler, not a money lender that just happens to sell jewelry. Now, it's not an easy transition. The last quarter was a huge miss. But I think this could be the beginning of a turn. I buy some before and then buy some after. If the stock gets hit, remember, it's got a 3.5% yield. Good balance sheet gives you protections. Expectations are low. All right, what the heck happened to Thor Industries, which has plunged from $161 to $93 since the market peaked in January? Well, maybe the better thing to ask is, what hasn't happened to Thor? We heard that inventories ballooned for the RV industry. We heard that labor was tight, 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 where they assemble a lot of their product. Then we saw a spike in gasoline. Now people think that uh, Thor is going to be hurt by the steel and aluminum tariffs. Uh, they don't actually buy much of this raw stuff, but that's what people are going to think. And uh, anything in the food chain involving steel and aluminum have been hurt. So when Thor reports on Wednesday, we need to know if the inventories have come down enough that the stock is safe to own. I actually don't know the answer, but I do know that there are plenty of people who have been crushed in the stock. I see them on Twitter, and they don't want to hear a thing about Thor again. You know what? That often is what a bottom looks like. I have a sneaking suspicion, though, this one's not going to do any sort of quick U-turn. Now, once upon a time, there was a semiconductor company, and its name was Avago. And it bought a ton of companies, ruthlessly cut costs, and turned itself into a juggernaut for communications chips. Then it changed its name to Broadcom to reflect its biggest acquisition, and then proceeded to go after Qualcomm in a saga that ended up crushing both stocks. Now, Broadcom's stock is coming back, aided by one of the most aggressive buybacks in the entire market, more than 10% of its shares. Now that our government has blocked the Qualcomm merger, I think CEO Hock Tan is ready to do another deal. And the stock's starting to scorch higher again, like the old days. Let's see what they have to say on Thursday. Finally, on Friday, we get the German industrial production number. You know what? Typically, I don't care about this, but not now. I'm watching this thing like a hawk. Why? Because right now, the strength of the German economy depends on its exports, especially its automobile exports, and especially, especially its exports to here. I think President Trump is seething mad 
that BMW and Mercedes have just built gigantic auto plants in Mexico to sell into the United States, okay? Germany doesn't want the door slammed, and it can't afford to have a slowdown. It can't. A weak industrial production number may force that government at last, it has been so darn independent, to the negotiating table with our country. I believe the German government is scared to death that the president may slap tariffs on German cars, something that's been talked about. So watch that number. A Germany that needs our help could be a Germany that caves. The market will fly if it does. If the number's good, though, well, it could be a protracted struggle. Here's the bottom line. The employment number's got a rosy U, and it's going to color the reaction to all of these reports. Because of that, you can take one more risk, despite all of the political insecurity. A boom produces more winners than losers. Keep that in mind if you're concerned that perhaps you're being too aggressive in your deployment of cash. It's possible. You're not being aggressive enough. Mark, in my home state of Pennsylvania, Mark! Jim, how are you tonight? Man, couldn't be better because it's the weekend. How about you, partner? Still in the same way. I have a question for you, and I wanted to isolate a certain idea. That All right, sure. That 90, 98% of our uranium currently comes from adversarial nations. All of them have been recently slapped with large tariffs. Mm-hmm. That's 20% of our electric grid currently. 60 million Americans, 98% of 60 million Americans' electricity comes from nuclear energy. Right. And yet, most of it is coming from importation. Right. My question is it looks like uranium prices are about to rebound from historic lows. And when they do rebound, boy, do they rebound with ferocity and parabolic measures. Well, it's true, Mark, but, you know, this is not, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. I I don't like to hear your thesis. Are you going to ask about Cameco, CCJ? Exactly. I'm looking at a company not to buy the farm, just to diversify, because when I look back at 2007, 2008, and I look at eight years worth of uranium above the ground, and America currently having okay. zero processing. We're at our lowest processing of uranium, of uranium since 1950. Right. Well, look, you know, Mark, here's the deal. Okay, it's not a great company. Uh, yeah, you can take a speculation in it, but I like to recommend high-quality companies with good balance sheets that have good, consistent earnings pattern, or, or at least uh, revenues right out, you know, right out of the chute. And I can't, I can't recommend that. It's just, it's just not good enough for you or for Mad Money. I need to go to Gabe in New Jersey. Gabe. Hey, Jim. How's it going? Ah, couldn't be better. How about you? Good, good, good. Um, with the recent news of their vice president being charged with insider trading and their stock being down 10% over the past three months, um, what do you think of Goldman Sachs at this price point? Okay. Um, first of all, I have to tell you that um, my travel trust owns it, okay? And it's been miserable. It's been a terrible stock. I worked there. I think the stock is very cheap. I think that that guy, that Goldman Sachs vice president, I am giving him the J.R. Smith, J.R. Smith ill-advised information award because that guy has got to be, he's dumb as a bag of hammers, that fella, because you wouldn't believe it. I mean, he's buying like 200, 300 shares of stuff. You got to check. I I read the whole SEC complaint. Thanks, Ben Stoddard, for giving it to me. So um, J.R. Smith actually has nothing on that guy. Just to conflate the two pastimes. Uh, Kelsey in New Jersey. Kelsey. Hi, Jim. Yes. Love your show. Thank you. I am a long-term follower and first-time caller. All right. I uh, got into Therapeutics MD, that's TXMD, shortly after you had the CEO on your show a bit over a year ago. Uh, TXMD finally received approval for their menopausal drug from the FDA this week. 
Uh, and in spite of that, its stock dropped about 10% uh, through today. I'm curious to have your take on this, Jim. Yeah, I think that people just recognize that this was going to happen. I don't know. I thought that this was a good company, and I still do. And I think the drug is a very good drug, and I would not sell this stock at five. I think it can work its way higher. All right. J.R. Smith. I mean, you got to read that Goldman Sachs thing. You got to. That guy has nothing to do with the Goldman Sachs I worked at or the Goldman Sachs that exists now. Nothing. All right. All right. What a beautiful tape we saw today on this beautiful day, or at least near the end of the day. I think the employment number will continue to color the market. And that means there's more winners than losers. Oh, man, tonight, is there such a thing as a perfect economy for the market? I'll explain why we may actually be in one. Then Prince Harry, I who? I mean, tonight I'm highlighting a company with a royal potential for you. It's up nearly 75% this year, and you don't want to miss it. And I always say I have the smartest audience in television, which I do, by the way. Thanks for stumping me, Great America. I'm catching up with some homework on a Friday night. So stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. perfect economy looks like, at least from the perspective of the stock market. Honestly, it looks a lot like this one, where we have fabulous job growth and very little inflation. For years, we have heard that good news is bad news, meaning that as business gains steam, the Federal Reserve is going to raise rates, wrecking the economy and dragging down the stock market. The house of pain. Sell, sell, sell. But today's non-farm payroll report really undermines that dogma because the economy created 223,000 jobs and we only saw eight cents worth of wage inflation. One caveat, obviously stagnant wages are not great for, you know, uh, people who work for a living. But they are fabulous for the stock market and it is mad money. It's not mad job growth. Not only that, but this economy is generating job growth where there ain't been no job growth. Manufacturing added 18,000 workers, including 6,000 in machinery. The manufacturing economy has now added an astounding 256,000 jobs over the year. Who would have thought that could ever happen again? Retail tacked on 31,000 jobs. So much for Amazon wiping out that industry. Transportation warehousing, a once more abundant category, added 19,000 jobs. Despite bad weather from much of the country in different places, obviously in May, construction companies hired 25,000 people. The only number that was surprisingly weak is actually the number we want to be weak, healthcare with only 29,000 new jobs. Healthcare has taken up a larger and larger share of our gross domestic product over time. And while there are some good reasons for it, we can cure diseases that would have been lethal a generation ago, it's the one sector that's really not tied to the strength of the broader economy. Let me just say that I don't think we would have seen these amazing numbers without tax reform. I keep hearing pundits say that the windfall is going right to the stock market to fund big buybacks and dividends. Oh, sure, there's been a bunch of those. But plenty of companies are trying to expand as fast as they can to meet demand. The real gating factor is the pool of workers that are available. When Union Pacific is offering bonuses for ten dollars to $25,000 a head, that tells you that they'd love to do more hiring. That's much more typical than what I find in terms of these endless buybacks that aren't really that endless, trust me. The good news? Formerly considered by some to be undesirable, but actually valuable workers in our country who have spent time in prison and have been released are now getting the jobs they deserve. The bad news? 
We've got such tight immigration laws that we aren't going to see the influx of new workers needed to continue to keep wages low for long or even for let businesses expand as they should. Uh, now, that's bad news for the stock market. There are so many benefits to stronger employment. Gross domestic product growth could grow as fast as 3%, which will raise the amount of money the government gets from taxes and therefore lower the deficit. More households will be formed that support consumer spending, which is two-thirds of the domestic economy. College graduates with huge student debt might get out from under. People who have historically been the victims of racial discrimination and hiring are getting jobs in record numbers. How can we not cheer for this? And with this economy being this strong, we have a real opportunity to try to stand up for, uh, to our trading partners like China, who tip the scales with a ton of unfair practices. If business uh, were less robust here, I'd be more worried about the retaliation from the president's recent expansion of the steel and aluminum tariffs uh, to hit our allies. I feel like the administration has had a missed opportunity here. The problem in these industries is Chinese dumping. If we tried to work with our allies rather than targeting them, maybe we might have been able to organize a more concerted effort rather than just slapping tariffs on pretty much everybody. But thanks to this amazing economy, I'm actually much less worried about the consequences when these countries inevitably do retaliate. That said... Uh, the tariffs can still do a lot of damage to the stock market, even as they ultimately do make things more fair for our great American companies. Let's not lose the takeaway, though. A boom is a boom is a boom. And good news is indeed good news for all to see. Mad Money's back into the break. Whenever this market gets volatile, it starts to fall back on some pockets of consistency. Companies driven by secular growth, in other words, not cyclical, but secular growth stores that can keep delivering regardless of the Italian political situation or the tariff escalation like we saw in the last couple of days. More than anything else, in these emotional moments, you want to circle the wagons around stocks that Wall Street perceives as being immunized against these issues, which is why all week I've been recommending the cloud kings, some of the biggest and best plays on this seemingly unstoppable rise of cloud computing. Just look at how the kings have done since the beginning of 2018. Adobe, how many times have we had them on? Up 43%. Salesforce, Mark Penny up 28%. ServiceNow up 39%. Red Hat up 40%. Splunk up 37%. Workdays up 24%. Uh, even the worst performing king, VMware, has rallied 16.4% for the year and it zooms 6% today, leaving the S&P 500 up a little over 2% this year in the dust. The VMware number was just extraordinary last night. Yep, in a flat market, the cloud kings have been making you a killing. And it's why I have insisted and have had the CEOs of the cloud kings on endlessly. And I'm going to keep bringing them to you because this is where the money is. When the averages got slammed yesterday, most of these cloud stocks barely got dinged. And some of them, like Adobe, even managed to churn higher. But it's not like the kings are the only way to play this powerful secular growth trend. Take Coupa Software. COUP for all you home gamers. It's a company that bills itself as the sales force of expenses. Here's a stock that's been a huge winner. It's up more than 87% since we started recommending it in April of last year, not to mention posting a terrific 16% gain since we just brought the CEO on a month ago. Cooper may be too small to be a cloud king. It's a $3 billion company, but it's certainly a cloud prince. What's made this thing such an incredible performer? And more important, can the stock continue to sustain its momentum? Or does a cloud prince have to, have, let's say, maybe have less staying power than a, a cloud king? Maybe it's a cloud jack. Okay, 
Coupa Software offers its customers a cloud-based platform that helps them manage their spending decisions to find more cost savings. Basically, it gives companies terrific real-time visibility into and control over how they're spending money. Coupa Software takes all of your business procurement, the invoicing, expense, management data, analyzes it, and finds a way to save. Put this in perspective, across all of their clients, Coupa's platform currently manages over $680 billion worth of spending, and they're helping generating $23 billion in savings. Well, that's a pretty compelling value proposition, don't you think? But the most attractive thing about Coupa for me is that it's a cloud prince and not a cloud king yet. What I mean by that is it's much smaller than the major cloud plays we talk about all the time. Even the smallest of the kings, Splunk, is more than five times the size of Coupa with its $3 billion market cap. You know, I like Splunk. I thought that quarter, by the way, was very good. Now, uh, this company has much more in common with, say, New Relic, which uh, one we spoke to earlier this week. That's a $5.7 billion company. It's kind of more, again, a cloud prince. Well, these smaller companies tend to be more speculative, hence why I waited until Friday to recommend Coupa to prevent people from buying it willy-nilly the next day without thinking it over. The fact that they're small means that it's easier for them to sustain real rapid growth. Now, this year, Coupa's sales growth is actually expected to decelerate, down from 40% last year to a less impressive 23% this year. However, the consensus is that the numbers will start to accelerate again over the next couple of years, coming back to 27% by 2020. Of course, the flip side of this kind of story is that it's very, very pricey. Coupa's had a monster run, and as much as I like this company, I'd be even crazier than I already am if the valuation didn't give me pause. Because Coupa doesn't have any earnings yet, we need to judge it based on sales. A lot of people on Twitter don't like this when I do it, but I, what, can I say? It, what can I say? It's the metric that you have to rely on, and the darn thing is still pricey even if it's on sales. The stock sells for 13 times this year's sales and nearly 11 times next year's numbers, and that is too expensive, all right? But you know, Coupa has a higher uh, price-to-sales ratio than any of the cloud kings save Adobe. But unlike Coupa, Adobe can get away with that. It's trading at 14 times sales because it does have earnings. And on that basis, valuation is pretty reasonable for a turbocharged growth stock, 35 times, 34 times next year's earnings per share. Coupa is not yet profitable, so its valuation is more of a stretch. And this is what makes it so hard to talk about. Now, if Coupa can continue beating the numbers and raising its guidance, forcing the analysts to boost their estimates, then it can absolutely maintain this kind of valuation because the stock will turn out to be a lot cheaper in retrospect than it seems now, which, by the way, that's something that happened with New Relic. The thing is, you need to understand that if you're buying it here, that's exactly what you're betting on, substantially better than expected revenues. This is why Barclays downgraded the stock last week, citing the stock's high valuation. Normally, I don't take this kind of downgrade too seriously, but this piece was all about defending the valuations of the cloud stocks except in a few extreme cases, and Coop was one of those cases. Let me put it another way. This company came public in late 2016, but its stock only really started breaking out in the last six or so months, which is why it's given us a monster 73% gain just since the beginning of 2018. What made it finally catch fire? I think this move is a perfect example of what happens when Wall Street anoints a stock as a winner. And you know, I talk about that all the time. They just say, okay, this is the winner. They being the collective group of, of growth stock managers. In December, Coupa held an incredibly bullish analyst day. It really kind of just shook people up. And over the next couple of months, the analysts started falling all over themselves to recommend it. Suddenly, you had a whole host of firms talking about how it's a disruptive technology company that's upending the expense management market, taking the industry by storm and growing like a weed, keeping the momentum going. The company also had an incredibly bullish interview here on Mint Money at the beginning of last month. It did matter. The stock took off. But I think you need to exercise a little caution at these levels. Cooper reports again on Monday, and the stock has run up dramatically over the past month. And you know what? 
a run up into a quarter for a company that's just based on revenues is always worrisome. I don't want to say it's priced for perfection, but given this move, it'll be a whole lot easier for the stock to go lower after the quarter rather than higher. Consider what happened the last time Cooper reported and back in March. Now, the company delivered uh, much better than expected sales, up 41% year-over-year, smaller than expected loss, gave pretty darn robust guidance. Manager's commentary was great. It was an excellent quarter. I read the notes before the uh, CEO came out. I said, this is just fantastic. Yet, what happened? In the two weeks leading up to the last quarter, the stock had rallied more than 10%. But then after we got these numbers, Cooper dropped 3% the next day. Then it spent the next six weeks trading sideways. That's the price of great expectations. Even phenomenal results may not be good enough for investors who already are betting on a blowout. The thing is, Cooper does truly have a great story. The market opportunity is enormous. As CEO Robert Bernstein told us uh, when he came on, uh, it just not that long ago, tons of companies still use paper to track all of their expenses, even really advanced tech companies that should know better. So digitization is still in its early innings here. But given the reaction to the last quarter, here's the bottom line. I want you to be ready for Coupa to get hit when it reports on Monday after the close. If it ends up roaring higher, well, then blame me for being a moron keeping out of a monster move. But if it gets dinged on great numbers again, that's when you want to pounce. There's a lot to love about this cloud prince. But what worries me at these, at these levels is the risk reward is not acceptable to me. Frank in Texas. Frank. Hi, Jim. Frank. Yeah, Jim, I've, got, I've held NXPI since it was recommended on your show. Mm-hmm. And I've enjoyed 104% growth. And my question is, Given Qualcomm's tender offer, which has been ongoing since October of 2016, is it time to accept the tender offer or sell the holding? Okay, well, I'm going to be speaking to Steve Mollenkopf next week, who's the CEO of Qualcomm, and he's hell-bent on getting NXPI, which would radically change the company. That said, for uh, the club, we owned it, as you know, ActionAlertsPlus.com, and we sold it uh, in the 120s and decided that it was too dicey with the Chinese and the fight. So uh, I think that you got to take some off the table because we just don't know what's going to happen with China. I need to go to Kyle in Kansas. Kyle. Hey, Jim. Big booyah from Chiefs Kingdom. There you go. Hey, hey, want to talk to you about Sierra Wireless, SWIR. It's down about 30% this year. You had the CEO on back in August. Uh, you liked it then, and he has recently retired. So what's your thoughts? Wow. Wow, man, that has just been killed. Shoot, I got to come back on that. I did not know that Sierra Wireless had fallen that low, and I don't know the interim CEO. There's not a full-time CEO. I got to come back. I'm sorry. I am a little shocked that that thing's fallen as much as it has. We will do homework, and then be ready, and go Chiefs, and go Coach Reed and Tammy. Dan in California. Dan. Good afternoon, Jim. Thanks for being a little sanity in this crazy business. No problem. I've had IBM on a watch list for a long time. Lately, I've noticed they've gained some large customers through their blockchain development right. and their data management with Comprise, and they've had a large ETF inflow. My question is, will this be enough to finally turn consensus opinion from a hold to a buy. All right, this is a great question. I think that this last quarter, I'm going to be right out there. I'm going to just, just get right on the plank here. I thought the last IBM quarter was good, not bad. I know the stock has been hammered since then. I think Ginny Rometty and Mar- uh, has turned things around, and the Martin Schroeder's doing a terrific job. 
I think with a 4.5% yield at 141, with their blockchain capabilities and their fabulous encryption and their very good, uh, uh, very private cloud, I think you buy it. All right, Koopa is cloud world. Gene Koopa, drum boogie. This prince could get hurt when it reports Monday. That's when you want to pounce. Still ahead, good news if the dog ate your homework, and I'm not just speaking about NVIDIA. I did it for you, and it could make you some money. Then never put all your eggs in one basket. Call me, and I'll tell you if you are diversified. I, I mean, diversified. We always make that joke in the office. Then all your calls, wrap fire, tonight's just later. Now look back at the week that was, so stick with Kramer. Monday, kick off the trading day was Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. Get you ever takers. seen Richard Pryor's uh, man, first man on the sun? My must have. <laughs> yeah. uh, I also saw the Martin, but that wasn't bad either. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. We're past Memorial Day weekend, and for most kids, school is out for summer. I feel compelled to finish my own homework. Every time someone calls in about a stock that I don't either recognize or know very well, I, 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 I'm not reluctant to just give you any sort of off-the-cuff opinion. I always tell you I'll circle back to it after doing some research, because this is the most interactive show on television. I mean, isn't it? I mean, come on, think of another one. Sometimes it just takes us a while to get caught up, though. So let's do some housekeeping before all this homework turns into a summer assignment. First up, on March 20th, Valji in Ohio asked me about Casa Systems. And I said I'd get back to him. I wasn't going to give him one of those, my Casa, su Casa. Casa's a broadband infrastructure play that's very much about the build-out of 5G, the next generation of wireless. Basically, they have a software-centric platform that helps uh, service providers deliver voice, video, and data at high speeds. I like this. Now, there's a lot, a lot that's good about Casa Systems. It's a very innovative company, and the build-out of 5G is a powerful long-term theme. It will be with us for years. But the stock itself has been a roller coaster. When Valji called about it in late March, Casa had more than, Casa had more than doubled from its $13 IPO price in December of last year, climbing to $31. Since then, though, it's, it's, it's gotten crushed. It's more than $19 today. Why is this thing been obliterated? It's not the numbers. When Casa reported its latest quarter last month, the results were excellent. Now, the main reason for the weakness is that the company broke its post-IPO lockup early and held what's known as a secondary offering in late April, selling 7.35 million shares at 25 bucks. Now, anyone who bought on that offering cannot be too pleased. They're, they're down more than 21%. At this point, the stock is down significantly from where it was trading when I got the initial question over two months ago. So where do I come down now? Honestly, I'm torn. See, I like the story. I like the company. I believe Casa Systems can do well in the future. But I don't see any reason to rush into the stock in the short term. I have no catalyst here. I say be patient. It's now been almost six months since the IPO, which means insiders will soon be able to sell all they want. And given the recent weakness here, I wouldn't be surprised if it can go still lower. Plus, it, it doesn't help that Casa's private equity backers, Summit Partners, still owns nearly half the shares. That's a big overhang, and I think we can expect more equity offerings down the road as they take profits. In short, Casa Systems might be worth putting on your shopping list, but I wouldn't own it here as the mechanics of the market and the way these fresh-faced IPOs typically trade suggest to me that the stock could have more downside before it bottoms. Down a few points from here, though, pretty intriguing. Next up on April 11th, Shane in Nebraska wanted to know about 
Health Equity, HQY. I told him, man, I need to get back. I need to do some homework here. Here's a company that play, that's a play on health savings accounts, or HSAs. Something you often hear about is the Republican alternative to universal health care. These are tax-advantaged accounts where you can sock away some money and then invest it in order to pay for future health care costs. Think of them as IRAs or 401ks, but instead of, of retirement, they pay for surgery. Now, Health Equity is one of the nation's largest custodians of these HSAs. They service more than 3.4 million accounts for 124 different health plans and administrators, as well as 40,000 different companies. The idea is that Health Equity gives you a cloud-based platform that helps users make all sorts of decisions about how to invest this money and then how to find the best treatment options when they need to spend it. This company is a real leader in its space. Over the last seven years, health equity has more than tripled its market share in these health savings accounts from 4% to 13%. They're now the number three player in the business. Now, I wish I'd taken the time to answer this question sooner because the stock has now run up 20% since Shane asked me about it in April. Come back, Shane. Shane, come back, Shane. The problem is health equity is a little too hot for me to recommend at these levels. Oh, Google the darn thing for heaven's sake. It sells for 72 times next year's earnings estimates. And while I'm growing like it's like, while it's growing like a weed, it's too rich for me. Here at 76, I say, take a pass. Don't buy. Don't buy. Especially since the company reports next Monday. Maybe it'll be great. But just like Cooper saw for earlier, I don't like the risk reward of owning a red hot stock going into earnings. Let health equity come down some, then maybe we circle back to it, especially if the stock ends up getting slammed on a good quarter, simply because it was priced for perfection. Finally, on April 13th, Kim in Nebraska asked me about EPAM systems, and that's EPAM for you, home gamers. I said I'd get back to her. EPAM provides software product development and platform engineering services. I know. <laughs> Don't they all? In plain English, they help other companies with every aspect of software development process. And you know what? Business is real good. For each of the, of the last three years, EPAM put up remarkably consistent 25% revenue growth. But in the latest quarter, growth actually accelerated 30%. That's huge. The earnings have picked up speed, too. We know that enterprise software is one of the strongest areas out there right now, and EPAM has proven to be a very valuable partner for its clients. Think of them as the kind of an arms dealer for these software developers. And even though EPAM has been growing its earnings at a steady clip of around 20%, stock simply isn't that pricey. It sells for 24.5 times next year's earnings estimates. I mean, maybe it's just kind of been forgotten about. Given the company's outside sales and earnings growth, I'll gladly recommend paying a small premium for the stock right here, right now. That's right. Kim in Nebraska has horse sense because EPAM is very much worth owning here. Bad money, it's back into the brain. It is time! It's over the lighter! It's over the and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Skid? It's over the lighter! Let's start with Paul in New Jersey. Paul! Hey, Mr. Kramer, how are you? I am good, partner. How about you? Great, great. My question is, what's your outlook for Celgene these days? Uh, very tough. I think it can bounce up a couple of points, but then I think it is going to be dead dead money. Uh, they just don't. I, I, I worry about the Revlimid franchise, and nothing else is there to really replace it. Let's go to Tim in Florida. Tim. Booyah, Jim, from Booyah. the Villages, Florida. Oh, nice. Thank you what? for sharing your wisdom. Doing my best. Was the Dollar Tree overtrimmed? 
You know what? I think it bounced four or five, but I've got to tell you, that, that stock is not going to go all the way back until we see another quarter. That quarter was not good, sir. And I didn't like the shrink either. There were a lot of things I didn't like about that quarter. And it, they weren't really answering the con- commentary. It, it just wasn't good. Erica in Texas. Erica. Booyah, Tim. Booyah. Love you and love your show. Oh, thank you, Erica. I bought Chico, CHS. After Why? They, after they announced their partnership with Amazon. I know. I, 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 Chico's is just, you know, if you want a partnership with Amazon, you go with Kohl's. Um, I did not like that Chico's quarter. Not one bit. It, it just, it's just not doing that well. Let's go to uh, Manuel, Manuel in Florida. Manuel. How's it going? Booyah. Well, I'm going to be gardening in a few weeks. That's all. In a few weeks, a few hours, I'll be gardening. That's good. What's up? How's it going, man? Hey, thanks for thanks for for all your work, Jim. It's awesome, man. I want to know about the Campbell Company's uh, soup company, man. Man, I don't like that balance. I don't like that quarter. I don't even know if they have management. Wow. There you go. Uh, OSHA, please. It's an agency. OSHA in Texas. Show. No problem. Uh, yeah, my question about uh, Cool Parts Incorporate. Uh, if we had uh, tariff on cars. Salvage company. I tell you, I've been liking. I, I haven't heard about that stock in a long time, and yet I keep looking at it, and I think it's real good. You got a winner there. Cheryl, New York. Cheryl. Hi. How you doing, Prima? I am good. How about you? I'm good. Um, thinking about if you could give me any good news on MZOR Mesa Robotics. Uh, yeah, I like Maze Robotics. I didn't like what, it, you know, the management's kind of murky there. What happened with that? I didn't start trading, but I do believe, or whatever it was that they got charged with. But I do like the robotics segment, and this is the next ISRG. Well, that's hard to do because ISRG is so unbelievably good. Jake in Georgia. Jake! How you doing, Jim? Booyah! Booyah! How you doing? Um, good. I wanted to know what you thought about PKG and the... Um, packaging and paper industry. I love I love the packaging paper industry, but that is not what I would not recommend PKG. Not when we can own a stock that I've been telling club members to buy, which is really, really great, which is Westrock. W-R-K. That's the one to own. It has come down a lot from its high. I would pull the trigger. Bye, bye, bye. As we told club members. Let's go to Jesse in Colorado. Jesse. Professor Kramer, how are you? I am very good. Thank you for giving me tenure. What's on your mind? Hey, long time, first time. Booyah to you. Looking yes. for your take on Yex. Y-E-X. You know, yeah, it's kind of like a Yellow Pages thing. Uh, and we had him on. It, it, it was a good story. I don't think it's a great story. It's a good story. Let's go to Little John. Little John in California. Little John. Booyah, Jim. How you doing? I am I'm doing great, Little John. All right, I'm interested in getting your thoughts on STM stock, STM. Very good semiconductor company, and I think it's a buy right here. It's also very, 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 very inexpensive given its growth rate. I need to go to Aryan, Aryan in Pennsylvania. Aryan. Hey, Jim. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. How are you? Oh, very good. How about you? Uh, so, actually, I have a question regarding Cognizant Technology Solutions stock. That's right uh, around the corner. Like- I can throw a rock at it. Cognizant is okay. I like Accenture a lot more. ACN, but don't hit it up because of the way spell check works. It always comes out C-A-N. Let's go to Deborah in Arizona. Deborah. Hi, Jim. Good afternoon. I love your show. Oh, thank you. And uh, I wanted to ask you about GE. I think that John Flannery's getting his arms around it. I think it's hard to do because he was not given a good hand. Uh, and I think the stock is bottoming. 
Uh, and that's, I, I, I think it's part of it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. What was that? Of course, the fact that the Golden Knights just won the first game of the finals serves as a reminder that nothing is impossible. We're not in Rome or Naples or Florence, unless you're talking about Rome, Georgia, Naples, Florida, or Florence, South Carolina. Support. Remember that next time, you know, we're like, we look like this, they look like that. Maybe that'll help. Someone on Twitter yesterday said I looked tired during last night's show. Tired. Tired. Is it a bye, bye, bye? No, 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 no. There, I said it. Nobody else did. Come after me. Be my guest. I live right here. I can't believe I'm wearing the post-it for the company that makes post-its. Ciao. Arriva Dirce. Mamma Mia. you saw today, I think, is the market's true colors. But we know the tape doesn't always show or even know its true colors. Sometimes panic trumps reality, which we saw earlier this week. And that's why you should never keep all your eggs in one basket. That's why we play MI Diversified. Uh, this is where you call me, you tell me your top five holdings, and I tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough or maybe you need to make some changes. First up, we have a tweet from at the seven Parik, who says at Jim Cramer, at Mad Money, on CNBC, Amazon, Intel, Baba, Facebook, Microsoft, hashtag, am I diversified? Sadly, I have, I am looking at five unbelievable companies and no diversification whatsoever. Um, okay, so Amazon, large position, fractionalersplus.com, and just think it's terrific. But that obviates the um, need, say, we don't necessarily need Microsoft. Um, oh, man, how am I going to do this? Uh, this is tough. We're going to say Alibaba. Okay, we're going to say Alibaba is the same as Amazon, but in China. So we're going to take that out, and we're going to buy United Health. okay? And then we're going to say that Intel, we're going to keep Intel because that's a hardware company. We are going to say um, no to Facebook. Uh, we'll keep Microsoft. And then we added United Health, and then we will add Honeywell. Because we want an industrial. Now, those who, if this were a larger pastiche, if there were 15 companies, I could see this. But this is a portfolio of tech. And that's not what I want because this whole thing could go down 10% in three days in the wrong tech market. Let's go to Rich in Wisconsin. Rich. Hey, Jim. I'm a lifelong fan, fourth-time caller. Huge thank you, Booyah, to you and your fantastic staff for everything you do. Staff makes me look good every single day and also has me losing weight because I eat a lot of things I don't like. Go ahead. (laughs) Jim, with these green markets lately, a green garden in full swing, and this beautiful Wisconsin weather we're having, is there anything more a guy can ask for? No. My top five holdings are Alibaba, Johnson & Johnson, Pepsi, Home Depot, and Amgen. Jim, am I diversified? All right, let's take a look at this bad boy. Home Depot, man. Hey, it's going to be a big weekend for gardening. All right, so we got retail. We've got Chinese retail, all right? We got J&J, which is one of the great companies in the world. Alex Gorse doing a great job. Can't go wrong with that dividend. Like it. PepsiCo is the analog. That's the, that's the food 
uh, J&J. And Amgen, an absolutely fantastic biotech company, which has a really good migraine drug on the market right now. We got drug. Uh-oh. We have biotech and drug. No. Oh, sorry, Amgen. Um, we're going to add United Technologies here. We're going to do a little diversification, a little industrial. PepsiCo. Uh, so we got food. We got industrial. We got retail. We got Chinese retail. We're going to say that's different. And we have a drug company. And that's best we can do. I'm sorry, Amgen. I really like you. Do not take it personally. Let's go to Joe in Ohio. Joe. Booyah, Jim. Thanks Booyah. for taking my call. Not a problem. Uh, I'm a longtime listener. I just wish I had been listening back in 08 and 09, and I'm pretty sure my portfolio would be worth about double what it is uh, now. Ah, that's all right. We don't woulda, shoulda, coulda. Let's go to work. Yeah, absolutely right. I've got uh, AbbVie, PayPal, Boeing, Dominion, Big D, and Annely, NLY. Am I diversified? Okay, really interesting here. We're going to have to get rid of AbbVie. I don't like this uh, Yumura biosimilar that's coming out. I want you to get rid of that one. Let's put in J&J. We just covered that, okay? Annaly, I don't know what they own. I'd rather see you in J.P. Morgan if I want a financial. Uh, Boeing, aerospace, fantastic. Dennis Mulberg doing an amazing job. Dominion, we like Dominion very, very much. PayPal, Dan Schulman, best in show, stock breaking out here. So I got, I got Finn, I got Arrow, I got Ute, I give you a drug stock. And um, I'm giving you J.P. Morgan, and that's the kind of diversification we need. I feel so bad about Amgen. I hope I didn't hurt Amgen's feelings. I may. What I'll do is I'll rename my dog Bug Amgen, and then everything will be okay. Stick with Kramer. Spent a lot of time analyzing this, and I can tell you that the unemployment number is indeed the most important number that we get. Only happens once a month. It then colors almost the entire month. And this one was magnificent. Had great job growth. It had low inflation. That's the kind of thing that countries just, just do everything they can for. And we have it here. And it means the stock market could be fine for a little bit. Like I said, it's always a bull market summer. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you Monday. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.